a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you've joined us on the program today. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. We've got a lot of stuff kind of percolating this week. You know, it is the uh, the slow days of summer. Congress is uh, out of session. But uh, in California today, we have uh, uh, oral arguments and a request for an injunction blocking uh, AB 2571 from remaining in effect. This is the bill that ostensibly is designed to uh, prohibit uh, marketing of firearms or, or firearm-related uh, materials to minors. Uh, and as a result of this uh, poorly crafted and, and honestly poorly thought out uh, bit of legislation, you've got competitive shooting sports uh, for juniors that have been shut down uh, across the state of California. Uh, magazines like Junior Shooters Magazine uh, are, are not able to uh, be sold in the state of California. Uh, little, you know, single shot twenty two cricket rifles uh, are banned. Uh, in essence, at least the marketing. And I, I believe the possession, too, the way this uh, uh, law is written. Because, again, a, a single-shot twenty-two cut-down rifle that is meant for uh, parents to learn how to safely and responsibly teach their kids how to shoot, why, that is designed for minors, isn't it? So, therefore, it would run afoul of California's law. Uh, so, again, oral arguments uh, being held today in that uh, a request for a uh, injunction uh, we're keeping our eyes on that. We're also keeping our eyes on August 24th, which is the effective date for Joe Biden's new rules on, quote unquote, ghost guns that are scheduled to take effect. Now, there are a couple of lawsuits challenging uh, those provisions and asking that uh, these new rules be blocked from being enforced while the cases are being litigated. So far, that has not happened uh, but the clock is ticking. Meanwhile, the clock is also ticking on New York's new laws, which go into effect on September the 1st, the uh, post-Bruin concealed carry laws that were rushed through the legislature without the public or even law enforcement having a chance to take a look at it. Now, what I find fascinating, we've talked about this a lot, and we're going to talk about these new laws uh, quite a bit in the coming days as well. But uh, I ran across this story from the Buffalo News today. Highlighting the fact that violent crime, in particular shootings in Buffalo, down substantially this year. Not because of any new gun control law, but because of a change in tactics on the part of the Buffalo police to target, quote, micro hotspots. Now, if this sounds familiar to you, uh, last fall, Fox News did a story, we uh, wrote about it here at Brain Arms as well, uh, about the homicide rate in Dallas, Texas, dropping substantially using the same tactic, basically laying out a a grid, a microgrid uh, over a map of the city so that you can pinpoint where these shootings are taking place. And then you can devote more targeted enforcement in those areas. I mean, again, this isn't rocket science, but it makes sense. If you've got, let's say, 97% uh, of the city blocks in any given community are mostly crime-free. And then the other 3% are what we consider the hot spots, right? Where a, maybe a majority of violent crime is, is taking place in just 3% or less of the city. Yeah, you'd want to focus your attention there, right? And that is, in fact, what is happening. According to the Buffalo News, shootings are down about 36%. 
in the first seven months of this year compared to 2021, according to Buffalo Police data for the month of July, which is usually one of the busiest for crimes. The number of people who were shot down 65 percent compared to both 2020 and 2021. Buffalo News reports that shootings in cities across the state outside of New York City have overall shown a decrease in shootings, but Albany and Syracuse have continued to see increases. And again, I I don't know of too many cities. Rochester, by the way, right now is on uh, pace for a record number of homicides after setting a record number of homicides last year. So Buffalo is bucking the trend. And again, it's not because of any new gun control laws. It's not because they're casting this wide net over law-abiding citizens, trying to turn them into criminals through the passage of these uh, bills restricting their right to keep and bear arms. No, Mayor Byron Brown says the new strategy, which is very data-driven, where we identify hotspots and then send police into hotspots for foot patrol, has helped build the community and police relationship. Imagine that. Rather than treating law-abiding citizens as criminals... You actually go and invest in community relations. You, you you don't view everybody you see as the opportunity for an arrest. Imagine. And now, yeah, people are actually more inclined to talk to the police about what they know, what they've seen, what they've heard when a shooting takes place, which, again, is a net positive, something you are far less likely to see, I would argue, uh, and maybe far less likely than what we will see going forward with the uh, implementation of all of these new gun laws. In New York State, uh, Buffalo News goes on to say that uh, basing crime fighting statistics or basing fine, uh, crime fighting tactics on hotspots has critics. Advocates for criminal justice reform have raised questions, saying that they lead to disproportionate arrests and ticketing in poor communities of color. There's a year long lawsuit pending against the Buffalo Police Department over traffic checkpoints in mostly minority neighborhoods. If this is done correctly, You shouldn't actually see more arrests. You should actually see a declining number of arrests to go along with the declining number of crimes. Because again, the goal isn't to target a particular community or even a particular block. That's like going after the gun as opposed to going after the trigger puller, right? It's not the geographic location that is causing a crime spike. It's the individuals who are showing up, specifically a small portion of those individuals who are showing up, who are driving the crime. Um, As the Buffalo News highlights, uh, they say, uh, as they're describing how this works, you know, patrol officers sent to areas where shootings had previously been reported to act as a physical deterrent to more crime. But at the same time, Buffalo police, working with the Erie County Sheriff's Office, State Police, the FBI and ATF, concentrated investigations on, quote, the trigger pullers and gun traffickers, which are roughly 75 people in Buffalo, New York, according to police estimates. The law enforcement agencies executed search warrants, filed charges in state and federal courts to get some of those accused of violence off the streets. Again, 75 people, according to the Buffalo uh, police chief, are driving the violence in that entire city. So I understand uh, these folks who say, well, listen, if you're just, you know, flooding these, you know, a a, a low income uh, minority majority neighborhoods, there's going to be a disproportionate number of arrests. There's going to be, you know, targeting of people who I'm not saying this can't be abused. But if that happens. Then the system isn't working the way it should. 
Because again, the way this system should work is that by focusing on the trigger pullers, by focusing on those who are the most likely offenders, frankly, individuals who already have lengthy criminal records in most cases, by referring those cases to federal court whenever possible, if they get picked up on new charges. And again, it's not looking for the ticky-tack offenses. Oh, we uh, saw you had a taillight out and then we stopped you and now uh, you've got a... Uh, a firearm, no no criminal record, but uh, you've got a gun, you don't have a concealed carry license, and you're in your car, we're going to charge you with a violent felony, we're going to send you to prison for three years. That's not what this is about. It's not about arresting people for a you know small amount of marijuana on them, or, or frankly, even a small amount of heavy, heavier drugs, because the goal is to stop violent crime. And the tactic that's being used, again, is to focus on the most violent offender. Now, we're seeing this dramatic reduction in crime. We saw it in Dallas, Texas last year. We're seeing it in Buffalo, New York right now. I mean, you can't get too much different in terms of the gun laws between Texas and New York State. So for any gun control advocate who would say, well, ha, 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 see, it's these, uh, all these uh, gun laws in New York that's making a difference. No. Those gun control laws in New York State didn't stop violent crime from spiking in 2020. And again, violent crime and shootings continue to increase in several New York cities. But when you don't try to ban your way to safety, when you don't try to criminalize a constitutional right, and instead you focus on violent offenders, prolific violent offenders, the relatively small number of them in any given city, that's when you can make a difference. And again, when those individuals are taken off of the street, when their cases go to federal court, and they go away 10, 15, 20 years, the community starts to notice. Buffalo New York ended it, uh, Buffalo News uh, ended its uh, a story about this uh, switch to uh, targeting micro hotspots. By talking to a resident in one of these neighborhoods, uh, identified uh, only as Keith. And he said, I haven't seen the police out here every night. He said he uh, hasn't witnessed or heard shootings, but he said, I heard about it. He says he's lived in the neighborhood for more than two decades. Has seen all kinds of police activity over the years. He says, you know, they ticket you, they pat you down. But he said, this is different. He said, they're friendlier. They drive by and wave. I think it's better, he said. I don't know if it works, but I can feel the atmosphere. It's a different vibe. Well, I can tell you, it does work. And again, if it's done right, it leads to fewer arrests. People like Keith don't have to worry about being patted down. It's not the Michael Bloomberg style, stop and frisk everybody, throw those 15-year-olds up against the wall and pat them down. That's not it. It's not it. It's not about casting a wide net. It's about a targeted approach. And again, <laughs> unlike all of New York's gun laws, all of the new ones that are coming on the books here, that make it a felony to carry in a, a gun-free zone, that make it a felony for you to even travel across private property unless it's been posted, guns allowed, trying to turn the entire state of New York into a sensitive space and creating a lot of paperwork criminals in the meantime. Instead of adopting that approach, you're actually going after the people who are responsible for violent crimes. That makes a difference. It's... Um, it's just a terrible thing that the city of New York is headed in the opposite direction overall. 
Because in the weeks ahead, if these gun control laws are not put on ice, if, if a uh, injunction is not granted, we're going to see a lot of good people get charged with very serious offenses. Not because they had any violent intent, but because they have no clue how New York's law works. Uh, New York's new laws, I should say, uh, plural, work. There's so much confusion that the state police say that they're going to be releasing uh, guidance, further guidance, as to how these new laws are going to be enforced and what these new laws mean, because people can't figure it out. And you know what? I, I think I think the state police and Governor Kathy Ogle's office, at this point, kind of making it up as they go along. But we'll be talking more about that in the days ahead. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day. And our recidivist report, we will uh, start there. Not not necessarily a recidivist case, but um, once again, highlighting the problems we have right now in the juvenile justice system and soft on crime policies from Democratic lawmakers. So this is from the uh, New Orleans Times Picayune. Victims go to New Orleans court for teen robbers sentencing and find a surprise visitor. Yeah, the mayor, Latoya Cantrell, who actually sat with the teen robbers family during the sentencing hearing, where the teen, by the way, was placed on probation over the objections of the district attorney. Um, This teenager pulled a fake gun on a uh, woman named Madison Bergeron uh, in order to steal her car as well as uh, two other vehicles. Um, As the uh, Times-Picayune reports, just before Bergeron rose to address the court, her sister nudged her to point out that across the courtroom, Mayor LaToya Cantrell was seated behind the 14-year-old defendant's mom. The judge ended up putting the 14-year-old on three years probation, which is something that Bergeron, as well as the uh, District Attorney Jason Williams, says is not nearly enough. Bergeron says he's really ticked off that the mayor showed up in court to comfort a perpetrator's family, which she said, in her view, uh, does little for crime victims such as herself. She said, it doesn't sit right with me. It makes you think your city doesn't care. Well, I mean, honestly, it's hard not to get that impression. The prosecutor said the prosecutor's office fought and argued for the judge to impose the maximum possible sentence for the teen. That, quote, serious jail time was required to ensure accountability and public safety. He said, that, quote, nobody at the DA's office, myself included, was given advance notice of the mayor's presence. Uh, Bergeron says that court officials told her and other victims that the mayor was there because the defendant was enrolled in a rehabilitation program in which the mayor had taken an interest. Bergeron says she thinks the teen probably got his probationary sentence from the judge because the mayor was there in the courtroom. Uh, Judge Renard Derensburg says that's not the case. Uh, Over the weekend, he said that the sentence was consistent with the law and the facts that were presented before me, saying that the defendant had no prior criminal record, that he didn't know the mayor would be present for the sentencing. Fine be that as it may, there is a serious problem in New Orleans right now in the juvenile justice system where you got individuals who are young as 12 years old who are committing violent carjackings and they're walking away with probation. Um, And here you have the mayor showing up not to comfort the victims of these crimes, not to stare down the defendant, but to provide comfort to the defendant's family. Did that have an impact on the judge? Well, I mean, I'll take him at his word when he says no, uh, simply because I've seen cases like this where uh, juveniles get a slap on the wrist and the mayor's not in the courtroom. So if the judge says, look, this is in line with the law, this is in line with the statutes, it's time to change the law. It's time to change the statutes. 
to ensure that there are at least some consequences for these young offenders. Because the goal of the juvenile justice system is rehabilitation. But I don't think it's happening much. Because when you get a slap on the wrist, <laughs> we're sending the wrong message. We're sending the message that these aren't taken seriously. You want to commit these crimes, and if you do get caught, nothing much is going to happen to you. I don't think that's going to steer anybody towards a life on the straight and narrow. Instead, I think it's likely to embolden juvenile offenders to go out and to commit more crimes. Today's Armed citizen story from Chicago, Illinois. I uh, wrote about this this morning, but we do have a, a couple of additional details now. A uh, would-be carjacker shot by his intended victim uh, in Chicago's Austin neighborhood. This was uh, early Monday morning. The Chicago Tribune reporting that the uh, intended victim here, a 45-year-old with a concealed carry license, uh, who uh, drew his firearm and shot the would-be carjacker once in the chest after the carjacker fired shots at him. The uh, carjacker, at last report, is alive, but uh, critically injured. The um, 45-year-old armed citizen uh, was not injured in this attack, thankfully. The uh, would-be carjacker's gun found at the scene, according to investigators. As the Chicago Tribune reports, this is at least the second time in less than a month in which an attempted carjacking resulted in a shooting by a person with a concealed carry license. A 13-year-old was shot by a woman with a concealed carry license back on July 28th um, after uh, four or five individuals allegedly were attempting to break into a parked vehicle belonging to her. She went outside armed after a neighbor warned her about what was happening. She confronted the group, at which time one of them pulled a gun on her, and that is when the woman, who was a concealed carry holder, drew her own firearm and uh, hit 13-year-old Dion Young. He was uh, taken to a local hospital in uh, fair condition, but he passed away a few days later. That uh, woman not expected to face any charges because she was acting in self-defense. And uh, as long as the evidence continues to point <clears throat> in the direction that it, uh, the preliminary investigation shows, I don't think this 45-year-old concealed carrier is going to be facing charges either. This was a If he was not the first to fire, uh, then clearly his life was threatened at that point, and he was well within his rights to defend his life with his own firearm. Now, today's uh, good deed of the day. I, I got to tell you, I wrote about this at Bearing Arms earlier today, too, but I, I, I just have to mention this because I, I love what the group Armed and Educated is doing in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I called it the perfect counter to these gun buyback programs. We had one of those in Richmond, Virginia over the weekend, and officials are calling it a success because they ran out of money. But they got a bunch of guns that aren't going to be used in crimes. I, I, I doubt that it's going to have any impact whatsoever on the violent crime rate because these gun buybacks typically don't. Uh, as research has shown, they have no impact on homicides, suicide, or even accidents involving firearms. But what the group Armed and Educated in Louisville is doing, I think is fantastic. So they teamed up with a couple of local businesses, a couple of grocery stores, and they put on an event on Saturday called Gun Safety and Groceries. And instead of going and handing over some garbage gun, people could go and they could sit through just a short 10 or 15 minute basic gun safety class. Right, Just the basic, here's how a firearm functions, here are the four basic rules of gun safety. And once they did that, they got groceries. They got a case full of groceries. Uh, armed and Educated said they uh, got about 60 people 
uh, through this program over the weekend. And again, they're doing this without city funding, right? The mayor's not reaching out and helping them. They're not getting big corporations to donate tens of thousands of dollars worth of gift cards. No. This is very small. This is grassroots. It's not the first time they've done this. They did actually a... uh, a gun safety and gas card giveaway earlier this summer. They did it actually twice, where they were giving away $25 worth of gas, again, for folks who would go and sit through a basic gun safety lesson. I think this is brilliant. It, 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 it is the perfect counter to these gun buybacks, which are all about taking guns off the street and don't actually do anything to reduce violent crime. So how about, instead of trying to, again, uh, re- make a safer society by reducing the number of guns out there in a country where we've already got 400 million of them and the constitutional right to keep and bear them. I think armed and educated approach is, is frankly, not only much more constitutionally sound, um, but it's going to be more effective. You know, it's not about get rid of your guns and people get rid of a broken gun and maybe they use the proceeds to go out and buy a new one. This is actually about reaching out to people in underserved communities who may not be able to easily get to a gun range, may not know a firearms instructor. May, you know, that may not be a part of their world. But to give them just some basic education that hopefully they will use and carry forward and continue to keep learning. So in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing, honestly, for their community, armed and educated in Louisville, Kentucky, Tip of the hat, honestly. This is just a fantastic program, and I hope that we can actually talk with one of the folks with Armed and Educated uh, at some point over the next couple of days. I've uh, made the request, and I've reached out, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, have those folks on the uh, program here in uh, the not-too-distant future. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam & Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program, and I hope that you have a fantastic Monday, at least as good as it can be, given that it is the start of a work week. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. I would also encourage you to head to BarryAndArms.com throughout the day. We'll get you caught up there as well. If you like what you see, you can also become a VIP subscriber. All you have to do, go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. If you use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, you're going to get a significant savings on your membership. And as our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you free stuff, news stories, analysis, content you will not find anywhere else because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. Just like those folks at Armed and Educated Louisville. All right. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.